Introducing Brian Breaker, the biggest icon in wrestling. Daniel Ross. This is the Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel. What is going on? What are you doing? We will not go quietly into the night. Hang on! Houston, you have a problem. Boom shakalaka! I'm sweating like a pig here. It's a lot of guitar! Mr. Freedom! Eat the pizza. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time once again for another weekly dose of Saturday morning nostalgia. My name is Brian Breaker. Joining me each and every week on this weekly dose of nostalgia every Saturday morning is my good friend Daniel Cross. Daniel, are you ready for some Saturday morning fun here? I'm always ready for fun. Uh, pants are encouraged, but they are optional here on the Rumble Wheel. That is right. The Saturday morning Rumble Wheel. We... Uh, we missed a few weeks there, but we're kind of going strong again. Uh, last week, we dove into some uh, wrestling entrance music, which was kind of a fun conversation. That's always an interesting um, topic for debate because there's so many good wrestling themes and uh, some we remember fondly. And then it's funny, like as we start talking, you start to remember how great a lot of those were and how catchy a lot of those were and how like iconic a lot of those themes have become. So if you guys missed that episode, I highly recommend checking it out in the archives. Yeah, it's funny. I'm always like going around the house singing like some kind of wrestling song, and my wife's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's just a wrestling song." Or she'll say, "Is that a real song?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's like I think I was singing Flash Funk's song the other day." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, Flash, you are so funky." Do you remember his Two Cold Scorpio theme in WCW? Or is that uh-huh. his voice like, everybody, here comes Two Cold Scorpio. <laughs> it's like, what? WCW had the best lyrics for theme music. Yeah. Or do you but remember the WCW? Steamboat's like, he's a family man, loves his kids. Yeah. Do you <laughs> remember like the that. WCW CD like, that um, had all the themes like Cactus Jack's Mr. Bang Bang and stuff? Uh, no, I didn't even know they ever came out with one. Yeah, I don't even know if it was actually a CD, but it was like an album. I think it was like a cassette tape. But yeah, that's where that those themes came from. Like A Man Called Sting and Steiner Line and all those, yeah. Uh-huh. And actually, some of them were good. Like, I remember the Ravishing Rick Root theme. I always thought was better than his WWF theme. Yeah. But, you know, it's... <laughs> you remember all the bootleg? Like, I remember going to Walmart and they would always have, like, bootleg wrestling theme. CDs, and uh, I don't know what the heck they were called, but they were like kind of uh, covers of the wrestling themes, and they would sound, you know, a little different, sometimes a lot different yeah. than, you know, the normal thing. Like, they would try to redo Stone Cold, and you know they were bootleg because they would have, like, Stone Cold and Goldbergs, you know, on the same on the same disc. Well, what's funny is that, yes, they that's a thing for sure, and I actually bought a uh, on iTunes a bootleg Randy Orton voices theme. Okay, and I didn't realize it. I thought I was buying the actual Randy Orton theme because it just said Randy Orton theme song. I'm like, oh, perfect. But it was, it was a bootleg, and I still have it, obviously, because it's in my account. And like some of the lyrics are like incorrect, and I don't think it's so much that they meant to do it wrong. I think it was kind of like you were talking about last week. They misheard lyrics, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a shameful day, lobster head. I think that's what it was. They, they said it wrong, and they just heard it wrong. I was like, my gosh. 
But th- they also have a uh, TV theme songs like that too, where they'll just kind of recreate like the song of like Cheers or you know Friends or any of those popular theme songs. Yep, definitely, definitely crazy. But makes sense to do it, you know, if it's if it's something popular and people want it. Why not? Yeah. All right. So this week we're talking all about the Sandlot. Here it's episode twenty three. Uh, the Sandlot was a huge movie for everybody um, in the nineties. Now, I still say the nineties had probably some of the best, you know kids movies of all time and some of the best sports movies. And this was kind of both. Yeah. I love the Sandlot. Uh, I think I mentioned last week, you know, we would rent this almost every day. It seemed like during the summer and watch it. I mean, we just thought it was hilarious. We kind of idolized these kids in the movie. You know, this is what me and my friends wanted to be. We wanted to, we even talked about how can we like make our own baseball field? And uh, my friend did have a pretty decent-sized backyard, and uh, we would do a lot of wiffle ball and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, we we really wanted, like, our own, you know, baseball field, and we wanted to play at night, you know, like they did on the 4th of July. Uh, it was kind of like, I don't know, it was just one of those movies that hits you in the feels and kind of reminds you of your childhood. And even though I think this was probably based in the 50s or 60s, you know, the Sandlot was. Yeah, but uh, you know we can probably identify with almost everybody. You know, in that movie, we all had like the one cool kid. You know, the I think his name was Rodriguez or something like that. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we all had the fat kid. You know, like Porter, and then we had the nerdy kid who wasn't athletic at all. And yeah, you know, and then all the other kind of ragtag friends that we all had. So. Yeah, I just think, you know, it was a highly uh, identifiable movie that we could all identify with. For sure. So, The Sandlot came out in April of 1993, had a $7 million budget and grossed $34 million, so it did pretty well, box office-wise. Um, this is interesting, I was reading about. Um, there, there's two sequels, The Sandlot 2, which came out in 05, and the only returning cast member was James Earl Jones as Mr. Myrtle. Um <laughs> And then in 2007, there was The Sandlot Heading Home, another direct-to-video sequel. stars Luke Perry, which is, you know, Jungle Boy's dad, which is kind of funny. Interesting. And and Chauncey Leopardi, who was Squints, also is in that movie. Um, A prequel film was announced in July of 2018, but as of 2019, a TV series with the original cast is in the works for Disney Plus as a result of Disney's acquisition of 20th Century Fox. So there is something happening from uh, from Disney Plus, so it'll be kind of curious to see what happens there. I will say this. In most of my lifetime, I've always been a big fan of when they do reprisals of stuff that's iconic, but most of the time it doesn't live up to the hype, so I don't know if this is a good idea or not. I, yeah, I will say I was surprised with the Mighty Ducks reboot. I thought that was actually not too bad. Yeah, the Dis- the Disney Plus series, obviously not as great, you know, as what we remembered. Which the Mighty Ducks and the Sandlot kind of hand in glove. They're very similar movies. Only one's baseball, one's hockey. Oh yeah, we'll definitely cover the Mighty Ducks at some point. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm actually writing it down right now. We, <laughs> we can put that as an option on our uh, quiz or whatever we do our surveys that we put out there. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, a lot of times it's a mess because these movies are, you know, lightning in a bottle a lot of times, and 
can't really duplicate it. Like the Christmas story, there's been lots of chances to, to redo that, although I did hear the most recent one. I think last year was pretty good. It was good, yeah. But uh, I have not seen that one yet. A Christmas story Christmas, yeah. It was a good one. Uh, but yeah, man, so this movie... Uh, became a cult classic. I didn't see it in theaters, but was a big time rental for me. And the second I saw it available to buy, it was like, this is a movie you have to buy. And honestly, it still holds up. I, I watched it a few years back and I still enjoyed it. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, I think for me, like I said, it just like in one movie, they just cram in all this stuff that either you did as a kid or you wanted to do as a kid or was really cool. You know, like they would, again, the baseball field, all of us wanted our own little personal baseball field. They had uh, the days they would go to the pool. You know, of course, we all have those days where, where we went to the pool. They right. did, like, uh, sleepovers in a treehouse and told, like, scary stories, those type of things. Fourth uh, of July, like, street block parties. Oh, so yeah. it's just, like, all this stuff that either, like I said, we did as a kid or we would have wanted to do as a kid, so... Or, you know, even the little things in there, like, they lose their baseball and nobody's got any money, so they're, like, rummaging through their house trying to find, I think back then, because it was, you know, an older movie, they're trying to find, like, 35 cents, you know, to go buy a baseball. Like, I remember doing that stuff, except it was, like, you know, scrounging through, trying to get change to go buy a Mountain Dew at Casey's so I can have a drink with, with all my other friends, you know, who were going to Casey's and getting candy and Mountain Dew and stuff like that in the summer. Right. It, it, it's so crazy. Like, like I remember actually when they stole the Babe Ruth ball and realized what he had done, they're like, we need, what, what do you say, 35 cents? Uh-huh. So let's go get bottles and cash them in. We got to get a ball. And it was kind of funny, like, you can't go ask your parents for 35 cents. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, you don't have a nickel and a dime later, or I mean, a quarter and a dime later on somewhere. Come on. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like, yeah, money was a lot different. Baby then. Ruth. <laughs> yeah, remember, like the great Bambino. <laughs> uh, well, and that's and that's another thing too. I think we can all identify with Smalls in this movie because we've all been there where you're so badly trying to fit in, right? Yep. And you're just like, I'm. I'm so hoping like people don't realize I don't know anything about this, right? Because that's that's like a legit. That's a legit thing, and like when he's when they're all over there, kind of goofing around, and and he's like, "I'm the great Bambino," and they're like, "Oh," and he's like, "Who's that?" And they all just stop and like turn and look like, "What?" Um, yeah, definitely like one of those. I think most people can identify with being the uh, odd man out, and he'd already embarrassed himself, right? Like, because he tried to throw the ball, and although that's so ridiculous that he couldn't throw a baseball naturally, like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. actually, you know what I remember? I mean, that was kind of my reason for starting to watch wrestling, you know, during the, like I said, I would always watch wrestling, you know, if it was on TV, but, you know, around 97, all my friends would, you know, come to class and everybody was talking wrestling, and I knew a little bit, you know, I knew Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker and The Road Warriors and those guys, but I did, you know, I wasn't up to date on what was current in 1997, so I'm like, oh, I need to find this and start watching it, so... You know, I can chip in on the conversations. So, yeah, I mean, 97 or so, I started, I found, like I said, Shotgun Saturday Night. That's because I didn't have cable growing up, so that's what I had to deal with. I would watch uh, 
WCW Worldwide at 2 o'clock and then Shotgun at 3 o'clock in the afternoons on Saturdays. And then, yeah, and then I started to, you know, chime in on the conversations. And then within two years, I was still hooked on wrestling, but everybody else had pretty well quit watching it. You know, it's funny. You talk about not having cable. Uh, that reminds me of a story. I remember I wrestled uh, Brodus Clay in a, uh, like, a Superstars match one time. Uh-huh. And he told me something that I thought was very, very insane. That he said, Did he tell you to call your mama? <laughs> he did not. This is oh, before okay. he was the Funkasaurus, though. Oh, okay. They were trying to make him like this big, bad dude, which would have probably been better for him career-wise, <laughs> but, you know, was what it was. Funkasaurus was over for a minute, though. Um, he, uh, he was telling me how, like, you know, we're doing superstars. And at this point... I don't even think the show was on TV anymore, and I could be wrong. It might have been an internet-exclusive show, because remember they did that where, like, Sunday Night Heat used to be on, like, MTV, and then they moved yep. to the USA, but it was, like, a one-hour show, but it wasn't really, like, even on TV. They just put it on WWE.com. Well, what he had told me, which I thought was very, very interesting, was that they gave those shows away for free internationally. So Mm. all these international markets that didn't have like access to Monday night raw and stuff without paying, they all watched superstars and main event and velocity and those types of shows. So all the C level wrestlers were hugely popular over there and the, and the, (laughs) and the other part of the world. So he's like, if we did like a tour of like, um, not necessarily the UK, but like say somewhere like in Asia or something like he said, Oh yeah. He said, I'm going like, all like Kurt Hawkins is going because he was, you know, on those shows a lot. All those guys are going because they were way more featured than some of the main guys. That's the ones that they knew, which I was like, that's kind of crazy to think, though. But it makes sense that they would just give that show away for free. And like you said, Shotgun Saturday Night started out really cool because it was kind of like they just set up rings and like nightclubs and stuff. But then it just became, you know, random matches before Raw. Oh, yeah. I remember a lot of, uh, let's see, Blackjacks and Mosh and Thrasher, the Godwins. I remember them. Takamich Inoku was on there a bunch. Probably Brian Christopher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too much. Not before Too Cool. They were too much. Yep. 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 A lot of, a lot of those. A lot of cruiserweights. Yep. Well, and that's the thing. Actually, uh, Jeff Toon from Fully Posable and now from TB Toycast mentioned something to me which I thought was insane is that they were at a live Raw one time but before Raw they taped Shotgun Saturday Night and one of the matches on there was the Rock and Roll Express versus the Legion of Doom <laughs> yeah that's insane. I, I, I might mean, remember like, that yeah that's because the Rock and Roll Express came in for that NWA feud that they had had and I'm like that is insane that that happened in WWE and no one really knows like yeah, it's interesting. Some of the, the stuff that just kind of happened on those sea shows, like some people didn't realize, but Christopher Daniels actually fought Takamichinoku for the light heavyweight championship, and it was on shotgun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and he was just, a, you know, he was just a no-name wrestler at that point. But it was actually for the light heavyweight championship. And, you know, and so, anyway, people don't really even remember Christopher Daniels being in WWE, but... He was an extra, you know, a few times. Well, I had actually heard there was talk of him being like the higher power for the Ministry of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Because he was doing the Fallen Angel character, I think, already. And uh, I think like Vince Salm is like, yeah, no, he's too short. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. Although, I doubt that there's any way that wasn't ever going to be Vince. But, yeah. 
Yeah, and if it was, I, I kind of agree. I don't think it would have worked. Because, I mean, why would The Undertaker answer to Christopher Daniels? You know what I mean? Which, exactly, which, which is an issue. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think, like, how certain things like that would, would happen, and you never really, I guess, paid attention to it. But, uh, yeah, what, you got any memories from the Sandlot? Would you and your friends watch it or try oh, to recreate it or anything like that? I, the lifeguard. The <laughs> lifeguard scene is always a, a classic. Um, I just love all the reactions, how, like, the one, like, young kid covers his eyes when it happens is hilarious to me. <laughs> or just some of the comments the kids make. Um, I, I love when that ham porter's like, did you plan that? He goes, I've been planning that for years. <laughs> like it was this, this grand plan. And then like the look she gives him, like after he's kicked out of the pool, she's just kind of like, yeah, you got me. And although today that would have probably been looked at like way, way different than it was then at the time, it seemed like innocent fun, but I'm sure the way culturally things are now would have been a lot different. Yeah, things have changed today. Of course, they always bring up, remember that blank check scene where the 40-year-old woman kisses the 10-year-old boy or yeah. whatever? And I, I was curious. I was going to look that up on Disney and see if they actually removed that scene <laughs> for uh, for nowadays. That whole I, – I, there's a, a podcast I, I listen to. I don't think they do it anymore, but it was called um, – it was my friend Jordan Zeilinger. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of the show, but um, – it's kind of like similar to what we do where we where we talk different nostalgic things and him and his buddies would dissect you know different movies or different things of that nature and they they talked blank check and that was kind of one of the things they brought up like how if roles were reversed uh, so unacceptable yeah very creepy yeah but at the time, I think they're gearing that towards the 10-year-old boy, and we're just like, yeah, you know? <laughs> it's definitely definitely one of those things where it's like, wow, that doesn't work. Like, that's not good. Yeah, we're a little more sensitive to those things nowadays. Yeah, definitely, definitely a different time for sure. But, uh, no, the Sandlot's got so many iconic scenes. Um, obviously, the Beast, right? The big scary dog. Oh, yeah. Everyone always remembers the Beast, and... Uh, I just love how serious that's taken. It's like, we can't play anymore. And he's like, well, I'll go get the ball. He's like, no, you can't. I'm like, why? He's like, the beast. And he's like, what is that? <laughs> They're just all like so nervous about it. It's it's so funny. Um, but no, it, it's it's one of those classic movies where it's really cool. Just like a bunch of kids get together. And they just play baseball all day because that's what we did back in the day. And and I get it now. There's not as much playing outside as there was back in the day. But man, back in those days, that was that was what I did most of the, most of my childhood. I remember playing kickball in my front yard and like having mm-hmm. like ten or twelve neighborhood kids all playing. It was it was it was fun times. Uh, I'm such a wuss now. Like I hate hundred degree weather. But yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, I just. So you, you take your shirt off and you just keep playing, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, it's just uh, so like, or uh, even in the winter, like I used to just ride my bike around, you know, in the winter going to friend's house and now I almost die when I have to go outside and scrape my window on my car. Mm-hmm. It's, it's changed a lot. I do know that. And I, I think what's, what's interesting about it is um, we're so much more perceptive of things like I know I mean you have kids obviously like it makes me nervous when my niece and nephew want to like go outside for a little bit I'm like 
well, stay where I can see you, you know, because you uh-huh. know, there's so many bad things now. And obviously I don't have them a lot, but if like my, my nephew, there's a lot of kids, my nephew's age. So he likes to come to my house cause there's a lot of kids he can play with. And my whole thing is like, well, cause my, my house on one side of the street, there's like a hill that kind of goes down. So you can't really see like, we'll stay on this side so I can see you, you know, because this day and age, you don't know. So no. back in the day, it wasn't as big a deal, but I remember this is probably going to make some figure collectors mad, but I remember there was a kid and he had a bunch of GI Joes. And one thing that we thought was funny to do is we would line them up in the street and let cars run over them. I don't know why, <laughs> but we would like bend them down at the way. So like we thought it would be invisible and we'd wait for a car to drive by and hopefully run it over. We thought that was the funniest thing. Then his mom found out what we were doing and he thought it was great too, but it's like, yeah, we were destroying a lot of toys that way. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Me and my brother did the same thing. We had these like little, uh, plates you know weighted plates that we would put on this little barbell that we have and uh we would take all of our matchbox cars and just smash them with these 15 pound weights and then we pretend we were in a junkyard you know smashing cars and i hate to guess probably what some of those might have been worth today had we not smashed them <laughs> yeah but at the time you don't think that right like it's, oh, I, remember, no. I remember buying and we had like a, you know we had hundreds of them probably so we were like yeah hey, we'll just take 12 and smash them well, yeah, I remember buying LJN figures um, at like the flea market for like two bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you could buy one for that now. But at the time, like that was like very, very doable. It, it's changed a lot though over the last few years. But no, the Sandlot will always go down as one of my all-time favorite kids movies. Also, one of my all-time favorite sports movies. I think it's definitely a. Uh, it's one of the best ones, and um, and you know, I think it's also like. It's an interesting thing. Like, my parents, you know, stayed together. But it also kind of tells the story of a young boy bonding with his stepdad. You know? Yeah. Which is kind of... You can tell, like, even in that movie early on, they're both kind of awkward. Which would probably be very accurate. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I was the same way. My parents were together. But, yeah, that's... uh yeah, like just everything, like I said, everything they did in the movie was just spot on. And uh, that's why I think it's going to be hard to, to ever duplicate it. The characters were perfect. It just everything they did so well. Well, we also got to touch on the uh, the shouting contest between the other team and the Sandlot <laughs> boys. Uh-huh. You bob apples in the toilet and you <laughs> like it. <laughs> You play ball like a girl, and then everyone's face just like, changes. Yeah, what that was the say? ultimate uh, sign of disrespect. Yeah, and of course they uh, totally destroy him in that game. And then one of the other iconic scenes is they all go to the carnival uh-huh. and decide to chew, which was <laughs> one of the uh, most disgusting scenes in uh, in cinema history. I think when they uh, all get sick on that ride. Oh, yeah. The scene that always gets me is when you see the woman's feet walking and she's in heels, which is like, <laughs> you wouldn't be in heels at a carnival, but, and then, like, you see puke just cover her feet. I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, and they all put this huge wad in because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, like, I love how they're all, like, having a good time, and then you just start seeing their faces change. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then later on, like, the kids at home, the mom's like, are you feeling okay? Your face is kind of flush. 
Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, I remember there's a nasty one on uh, Problem Child, too, where they all got sick on a carnival ride. That one was even worse. You know, I haven't watched Problem Child in a long time. Oh, it was, I think it was Problem Child 2, actually. I think it was the second one, but. Is that the one yeah. with the girl? Yeah, with the girl. And she gets stilts or something and she goes on the ride? Yeah, so then, uh, yeah, so then, I mean, I wanted to say Kevin, but I'm thinking Kevin McAllister. Junior, right? Yeah, but Junior, yeah, so then Junior, like, cranks the ride way up and, you know, then everybody gets sick and they're thrown up everywhere and it's, yeah, awful. So I had heard a rumor, speaking of Problem Child, the Junior worked at a Kmart somewhere. Yeah. And so people would, like, call this Kmart and try to talk to Junior to the point where, like, the manager <laughs> had to, like, step in and be like, stop calling here. And because, you know, I've not seen him as – I don't know if he still acts or not, but I haven't seen him in anything else. So I always kind of wondered how accurate that story was or if it was just an urban legend. That's interesting. I'm willing to bet he probably looks the exact same, too, just because, I don't know, red hair and freckles and all that. He probably still stands out unless he dyed his hair or something. Yeah. It's very interesting how um, being a celebrity, I think we imagine that everyone's just a millionaire. Like, I was watching a clip of an interview the other day with Sean William Scott, and he was talking about when he did American Pie, which obviously uh, was a huge hit in late 90s, early 2000s, and he got paid like eight grand to do that movie. Wow. So he bought like a used Thunderbird, he said, which is like five grand, and so he had like $3,000 left. And so he said he got a job at the San Diego Zoo selling churros. And people are like, wait a minute, you're Stifler and you're selling churros? He goes, well, the movie hadn't came out yet. And I'm like, oh, that's that's an interesting point that I never thought of. So, like, you film a movie, you have no idea if it's going to be a hit. Ends up being a massive hit, so obviously you can make more money. But you still, that in-between time of, of a year or however long, that could be, uh, yeah, that could be, <laughs> could be a long time to wait. Yeah, that was kind of the always awkward thing about pro wrestling, too. You'd be wrestling somewhere, and then somebody would recognize you while you're working your your shoot job. Yeah. And like, wait a second, I just like saw you on TV. And how, how was that for you? Like, that's kind of a, yeah. <laughs> a different take. But I, I know you worked at Pizza Hut. I wait yeah. tables at Chili's. These are not like, you know, I'm, nothing wrong with having a job. These were not like to me. It was always like embarrassing to be like, "Hey, you won the WLW title last night." I'm like, "Yep." What can I get you to drink? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have that thought? Uh, oh, yeah, all the time. Because you'd see people, they'd start staring at you a little, especially because I worked in Eldon, yeah. which we did like four shows a year, probably in Eldon. Um, and, yeah, people would be, you know, staring at me, and then sometimes people would come up and ask, like, hey, Daniel Cross. And then I'd, I, would, I would just say something like, yeah, I'm loaded. I just I just work here to keep busy or something. Yeah. No, I, own, I own the <laughs> like, place, you know. Yeah, stuff like that. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, I was WLW champion of the world and, uh, you know, working for $6 an hour at Pizza Hut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was always one of those things where it was kind of just, I don't know, it was just awful, I guess, like to think like, oh, God, I have to do this, you know. Like I remember um, hearing people talk, you know, like I'd go to the table like, hey, how are you? And, you know, I had long hair at the time, as you know, so like little harder to fly to the radar. I mean, you were both relatively big guys, so that also doesn't help. And like, I'd go like make their, I'd get their drink order. And I hear kind of whisper. I think that guy's a wrestler. He's one of the wrestlers. Uh -huh. It's like, Oh God, here we go. 
or, or like I remember um, doing a thing on TV one time where I was a security guard in a Cena, a John Cena segment, which obviously you know is one of the bigger segments of Raw, where we basically came in and held him while JBL punched him. In retrospect, not a huge deal, but at the time, it's like we were on Monday Night Raw with John Cena. That's big, and th- I'm I'm literally waiting tables like two days later, right? So it's like everyone's like you're on you're on TV, and so now they're. Now even the managers are telling every guest that comes in, like, yep, he was just on Monday Night Raw. And so uh, everyone's like, so are, are you going to be on Monday Night Raw next week? And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm bringing you out some chips and salsa right now. Like, Right. Like, they, I think they don't realize they're insulting you at the at the time, and that's just – I feel like with acting, it's probably the same way, you know. Um, the thing I kind of struggled with was I'm playing a heel – yeah, And I feel like I need to be a jerk all the time. But if I'm a jerk in my real life job, I'm going to get fired. Right. So I have to like, you know, have good customer service and all this stuff. And then literally sometimes even later that night, you know, I'm a heel in the same town and I got to be a total jerk to these people. And I know I get it. Everybody knows it's a work and all those things. And kayfabe is dead. And But I still want people to somewhat believe, you know, in what in what I'm doing out there. It's just kind of hard to navigate because Harley, Harley never had to go through that, right? So Harley was making a living in pro wrestling. He could just be a jerk all the time, you know, when he was a heel. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we didn't have that luxury. It's it's so done with a wink and an odd that it's hard to commit, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, part of the problem. Because like, like you said, you, you are trying to be a heel, but, like, if you're going to do it, you almost have to do it with – a wink and a nod so that they know you're playing a character, which then it kind of in turn feels like it exposes the business. Overall, it's just not great. It's it's very, I don't know, it's very difficult. But that's kind of part of uh, part of being a pro wrestler, I guess, on the independent level, man. It's just it's hard to navigate those waters sometimes. But I think to circle that back around to acting, I've, I've seen a lot of TikTok videos, which I think are super cringy, where they'll go up and be like, hey, what are you famous for? And you can see the actor kind of being like, leave me alone. Kind of like, it's such a weird question. Yeah. Or, hey, can I get an autograph? I feel like I know I should know you, but I don't know who you are. You know, it's like, why would you do that to someone? It's just, I think when someone has a level of celebrity to them, people act very odd, which makes the situation super awkward. Yeah. And I feel like uh, the Comic-Con scene, it's really become... Uh, more glamorous, if that's a word, yeah. than it than it used to be. But I feel like 20 years ago, that was kind of like where stars went to die, you know, it was like the Comic-Con scene. Uh, but now it's looked at, I think, as more acceptable. And, you know, not to mention, you can make a ton of money, <laughs> you know, so why why not? Well, I think now it's looked upon like a good thing, whereas back then it, it really wasn't. It was looked at as... Uh... Like, oh, you're one of those people, but now it's like people are digging it. And, like, there's a Comic-Con coming here to Tulsa, like, next week, which a couple of the Power Rangers are going to be there. Rob Van Dam's going to be there. Leah Thompson, who's, like, the mom on Back to the Future, is going to be there. It's like, that's kind of cool, you know? Like, I don't mm-hmm. ever go to meet celebrities, but I want to go just to see everything. I just think it's kind of fun. Yeah, I went to one uh, last year or so, and they had, oh, uh, Austin St. John, yeah, the, the, Red, Red the Red Ranger. Um Trying to remember, he was the only one I was really interested. Oh, Vanilla Ice! That's so cool. I got uh, got a free Vanilla Ice concert. That was pretty cool. That's cool. But uh, which he was really good. 
Well, and but. it's stuff like that. Like I met Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, one time. He's the only one I paid to meet because I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, not a big celebrity meter, but like I know we did a Comic Con in Tulsa one year. The Undertaker was there. Uh, Jason David Frank. Um, I think the original voice of Batman, Kevin Conroy, was there. It's like that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot of fun celebrities. So I think it's cool now. It's looked at it upon more positively now. So. But again, like these Sandlot kids, I uh, so that actually that brings bring it full full circle. I have some family that was in California one time, and they swore. Now this is before smartphones. This is like early two thousands. They walked into a subway and they swore that Ham was working at Subway. Uh huh. Probably he was, because I remember him from this, and then he did the movie The Big Green, which was a soccer movie. Yep. And then he was like in some Sobe drink commercials and stuff. He was in uh, Boy Meets World a couple of times. Right. Yeah, he did that. Yep. But he didn't have like a lot of like huge stuff happen after this. No. So it would make sense that he works at Subway. So how hard would that be to be like, hey, welcome to Subway. What can I get for you? You're in the sandlot. You know, like, you know, that happens every day. Oh, yeah. You have to be tough to deal with. So. You know, hopefully they're able to capitalize on it and still make some money off this stuff. I know um, the Sandlot recently had a line of Funko Pops. Did you ever pick up any of those? I did. I got Ham Porter, so I have that one. He's pointing like Babe Ruth. Yeah, they they had. Uh, I think they made Ham, Benny, Squints, and Smalls, and then they made a Wendy Peppercorn and Squints two pack. Oh, and they made the Beast too. So nice. It'd have been cool if they made all all the boys and stuff, but it's definitely a fun set. And that's kind of cool what that Funko does that. I mean, I know I don't really collect Funko anymore, but that was kind of the whole idea of what made them fun is, you know, the random characters that they would make over the years. Yeah. Well, it's probably about time to spin that wheel one more time for next week. We have five topics remaining. So I imagine after we pick this topic, we're going to have to add some new ones. You want to add a couple, uh, Three or so more topics to the to the wheel. You got a few in mind you could add to it. Uh, do you want to just add them, or do you want to do like surveys on Twitter, or how you want to do it? Let's just add them this week since we only have sure. four. Um, let me go and spin the wheel. Well, let's get next week's topic, then we can start adding a couple. Sounds good. Right, the wheel is spinning. All right. So next week we landed on trading cards which will be kind of a an interesting topic because that could go in a, a multitude of directions because uh baseball cards comic cards and so many other different trading cards that have come out over the years so that will be a fun topic um we still have on the the wheel tgif which was that in our original yeah still haven't landed on it still haven't landed on it that's crazy to think um we have a book fair, which will be a fun one to add in eventually. Our favorite pizza and Toys mm-hmm. R Us. So I'll, I'll go ahead and add the uh, the first topic that I'd like to add in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a fun one out there that we all remember from elementary school: show and tell. Show and tell. I'll write that down. That was always a fun one. I always enjoyed show and tell. Um, Someone brought this up to me the other day. They're like, that was kind of like the that generation's version of, you know, a toy commercial because you always would see fun stuff. You're like, oh, I got to have that, you know? 
here's one. It may be a short topic, but that's all right. How about, just because I know we've talked about it, Big Bad Beetleborgs. Ooh, yes. Actually, I think that will be a long topic because I have a lot of stuff yeah. to add on Beetleborgs. <laughs> that's a good one. There you go. All right, so for my next one, I'm going to put in a, a toy line. How about WWF Bendems? Okay. Those are fun. Which will be a fun topic because the major wrestling figure podcasts are redoing Bendems now, or Bendies as they call them, major Bendies. But I always thought these like were just absolutely horrible as a kid, but now that they're uh, kind of a bigger deal, they're kind of fun. So <laughs> Yeah, they are fun. Um, I'm going to go with Collector Cups. Ooh, that's a good one. That How come we don't see those anymore? I don't know, but they were great. I loved them. I did a lot of NBA ones back in the day. seems like every movie that came out, you know, had collector cups at McDonald's or yeah. Pizza Hut or somewhere. I remember Taco Bell had a promotion for Batman and Robin, the George Clooney Batman movie. Uh-huh. And they had five collector cups, Batman, Robin, uh, Batgirl, Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze. Yep, and I had to beg my dad like we've got to go to Taco Bell so I can get all these collector cups, and I think we got all of them but like one. And I just was like, I was disappointed we didn't get them all, but I was like, man, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, my turn for one more topic. Uh, how about another classic movie that kind of goes along with the Sandlot? How about the Three Ninjas? Perfect. And I can't remember if we talked about it this week or last week, but I'll go ahead and put on there the Mighty Ducks. Perfect. So that is a that I think because all these movies kind of came out around this time, it was uh, it was cool to have some of these as you know videos and stuff, which I had as a kid, which were awesome. So now our our poll looks like this: TGIF, the Book Fair, favorite pizza, Toys R Us. Show and Tell, Big Bad Beetleborgs, WWF Bendems, Collector Cups, The Three Ninjas, and The Mighty Ducks. Some great stuff there, man. Yeah. Uh, next week we'll be discussing trading cards, and uh, I totally skipped over my uh, plug of the week for uh, for last week. So, um, so, you know, since I put Bendems up there, I'll throw it out there. Uh, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, Major Bendies. Check those out at MajorPodMerch.com. I actually kind of started diving into those a little bit. They're actually really fun. They've got a lot of cool ones coming up. I'll be totally honest. The main reason I dove into these, and I don't know if you're even aware of this, but they're teasing doing American Gladiators as Bendies. Awesome. And I told, well, I mean, I think they can't be like American Gladiators, like the name, but, well, you know. It'll probably be Dan Clark, not Nitro, but still, I'm like, if they make those, I can't not get that, so I want to start collecting these, because that's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, American Gladiators, that's sweet. Yeah, I think that would be a, that'd be a fun set, so check those out. Uh, but also, it is an odd-numbered episode, so it is your turn for a plug of the week. Do you have something you'd like to add? Yeah, let's see. I had one. Oh, um, just because I've been listening to you all on uh, the TB Toycast, you and Jeff, but how about Jeff and Scott's uh, fully pose, uh, fully posable podcast? I don't think we've ever plugged that on here before. Definitely, if you're not listening to fully posable, I think you definitely should. Um, I joke all the time with Jeff that I always wanted a wrestling figure podcast, and um, the second I saw one, I was like, "Oh, this is going to suck." And but they pull it off great. Yeah, so yeah, every week's a little different, and 
It's a good yeah. listen. Yeah, it is. It's really, really fun. They've been going since like 2016, I think. So they've been doing it for a very long time. They're awesome dudes. And, uh, it's a nice companion piece to something like like this show or the TV toy cast. So check out fully posable. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for checking out the Saturday morning rumble wheel. And we will see you guys next week for another weekly dose of nostalgia.